When it comes to weight loss, no two people are the same. That's why Noom builds personalized plans based on your unique psychology and biology. Take Brittany. After years of unsustainable diets, Noom helped her lose 20 pounds and keep it off. I was definitely in a yo-yo cycle for years of just losing weight, gaining weight, and it was exhausting. And Stephanie. She's a former D1 athlete who knew she couldn't out-train her diet, and she lost 38 pounds. My relationship to food before Noom was never consistent. And Evan, he can't stand salads, but he still lost 50 pounds with Noom. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. Even through the pickiness, Noom taught me that building better habits builds a healthier lifestyle. I'm not doing this to get to a number. I'm doing this to feel better. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom users compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, it's Monique, and welcome to the Brown Vegan Podcast, where I like to give you strategies on how to embrace a vegan lifestyle that is simple, delicious, and long-term. And of course, I love to also bring you conversations with other vegans to help you move forward in your journey. The story is so important because for me, when I became a vegan in 2010, Um, Reading Sister Vegan, which is just basically a collection of stories from other black vegans, it really, really inspired me to move forward in my journey. So that's why I think this podcast is so important. So happy new year to you. This is the first, of course, podcast of the new year. Happy 2015. And I want to give like a special shout out to Vegan Daryl on Instagram because he sent me the funniest screenshot and was just like, uh, where are you (laughs) and why have you not put out a podcast this year? So I am back on the grind. Thank you so much, Daryl, for that motivation to get my butt back on here. So today I'm really excited to bring my friend Tashonda on the show. And I don't know about you guys, but for me, I meet so many amazing people online and we just build some incredible relationships, especially people that are vegan. It's so cool because, you know, a lot of us in our personal lives, we don't have any vegan friends. So it's so cool to be able to find people online that you can connect with and make some truly, truly genuine connections. So Tashonda is a mother of five. She lives in Tennessee and she's been on a vegan journey since the end of 2010. So of course, she's going to share her vegan story, but then we're going to actually spend some time diving into the vegan box and whether or not What's this big debate about being plant-based and being vegan? We're going to talk about that. And of course, we're also going to talk about mock meat. There's always so much debate about whether or not you should eat meat alternatives or faux meat or whatever you want to call it. (laughs) A lot of people have a debate about it. So we're going to talk about why mock meat is actually pretty important into your vegan lifestyle. It gives you some variety. It's great to be able to get your kids on board with it. So we're going to spend um, most of the conversation, I feel like, talking about that. And, of course, she's going to give you some amazing tips to help you get started on your vegan journey as well. I'll make sure that I have all her information and everything that we mentioned in the show notes at brownveganpodcast.com. I actually just got that domain. So brownveganpodcast.com will have everything you need. So I hope you enjoy this conversation. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast so that you can get future episodes right on your smartphone or your iPod or whatever you use to listen to podcasts. Thank you so much for your time. And without further ado, let's go ahead and jump into the conversation with Tashonda. All right. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. How are you today? I am well. How are you? I'm good. Thank you. I'm so excited. Listen, it's like, okay. So, Tashonda, we actually have never met in person, but I feel like I know her. <laughs> we met on I Instagram, and, <laughs> and we talk on the phone, and we just have a good time. I just, like, I love her, guys. So I'm really excited about having her on the podcast today. So before we get started on, like, some other 
questions about your journey, let's go ahead and talk about why you got started and how you got started on a vegan journey. Okay. Well, that is my favorite story to tell. So (laughs) um, basically (laughs) what happened with me was um, I had considered going vegetarian like numerous times, but I watched so many different people come and go in my life who were struggling vegetarians. Like one day they would come over and they would say, oh, no, I'm not eating meat. And then the next time they came over, they would be like, oh, can I have some of that chicken or a piece of fish or whatever, you know. And I just knew that it was a struggle for most people. Like, it's kind of like whatever you feel is the right thing to do, and you know it's the right thing to do, but then when you get in situations, it's like a struggle. So I saw the chicken struggle many times. And and I can honestly say that I did not want to have any part in that because I'm the kind of person, when I get involved with something, I want to give it my all. And I don't want to... Uh, have myself under any added pressure. I want to make sure it's what I want to commit myself to. So um, I thought about it for a couple of years before I just jumped into it. And uh, I even had one of my daughters to ask me about her going vegetarian, and she didn't even know that it was something I was considering. And I just kind of thought, you know, from my traditional thinking, I was like, uh, well, you're kind of young. I don't know if I should take you off meat. I feel like there's something you might be missing. I don't want you to be malnourished, you know. But uh, eventually I let her try it for a short term, and um, I liked it. Um, I I think maybe I even had a couple of meals with her. And so anyway, um, over time I realized that as I was maturing as an adult, I don't want to say getting older because, you know, women, we try to stay away from that. But there's nothing (laughs) wrong with it. I embrace it. There's a lot of wisdom that comes with it. And with that wisdom came uh, me learning of some things that that I was being affected by um, health-wise. So, number one, being African-American, you know, some of us are just prone to diseases like diabetes and hypertension. Well, I have a history of hypertension in my family and also diabetes and heart disease and a number of other things probably. But um, the hypertension was something that I actually experienced firsthand after I I gave birth to my fifth child. Um, I had to go back into the hospital like maybe two or three days after I gave birth to her because my blood pressure just it was through the roof. When I got to the emergency room, they actually told me that um, I could have had a stroke. So (laughs) I'm just thankful that I didn't. Um, But what that led me to was a doctor's appointment a few days later where the doctor told me that, um, you know, I could lose weight, I could change the way I'm eating, and with blood pressure medicine, I could manage my blood pressure. Well, I'm not a pill popper. That's not something I can see myself doing for the rest of my life if it's not some type of supplement that's going to help me in other ways, I don't really want to be popping pills unnecessarily. So she told me that I could pop the pills and I could do well, but by the time I get around 40, my blood pressure is probably going to shoot back up anyway. And I think maybe oh, she was looking at my lifestyle. Yeah, she, doesn't, she wasn't really hopeful. Um, well, she didn't seem that way to me. And maybe from a physician's perspective, she was probably just um, <clears throat> maybe just trying to be realistic and maybe trying to prepare me to be realistic. But What she didn't know was she was actually motivating me, and I'm not even the type of person to have the mentality of, oh, you saying I can't do it? I'm going to show you what I can do. But with her in particular, I made an exception. (laughs) So (laughs) what happened was she told me my blood pressure would go back up, and I thought to myself, oh, no, it won't. I'll show you, you know. So um, she put me on these pills. I got home. I started taking the pills. They made my head hurt. I felt like, hey, if I'm going to have high blood pressure and my head's going to hurt, I'm not going to take these pills and have my head hurt too. So I decided that I would lose weight. 
And um, eventually I went and I got another checkup and I found out that I had um, high cholesterol. Like I couldn't understand how somebody my age, especially at that time, you know, how could somebody my age have high cholesterol? So I'm like, I'm going through all these things. Oh, my gosh, I'm getting old, you know. (laughs) So um, eventually I decided to do some research about food. And I've always had a love for food. I didn't really know it. I didn't know it was there. But, you know, eventually as I started to research, like, how the body processes cholesterol and and, um, all these other things, um, I realized that I needed to change the way I was eating. So um, it just so happens that when I was in that mindset, someone invited me to one-day detox. And I'm so thankful she did because it, it literally altered my life. Like, I'm where I am today because of it second it faded out a little bit you said that she invited you to a what detox how long was she it invited me on to join a 21 day detox yeah and so it changed everything for you yeah it changed everything so um so with this detox it, you couldn't have any animal-based products it was a phase in and phase out type of detox like maybe like the first couple of days you just ate regular cooked foods but you couldn't use any animal products to cook it um and then the next couple of days it and this is more than a couple of days, but, you know, I'm days in from cooked foods to non-cooked foods or just eating raw, basically raw vegan. And then you phase in from that to, um, like, juicing and smoothies. And then I think you had, like, one water day. And then you phase out of the detox the same way that you phase in. So I found it a really um, healthy way to approach detoxing. It wasn't something that was drastic or extreme where I feel like I'm going to fall out and faint because I'm drinking lemon juice and all this other crazy stuff that I've heard <laughs> people drinking. And not to not to judge anyone for what, because I think, you know, for different body types, different things work for different people. So I can't say that there's like a one-size-fits-all when it comes to any type of detox, but I just do think some of them are borderline dangerous. And this one was a very healthy approach for me. With that, and me already considering uh, going vegetarian, I just decided, hey, I've learned that I can eat without using animal products, and I don't like that most animal products uh, contain cholesterol. I want to eliminate the cholesterol, so that's what I did. So after that detox, it really just fast-tracked me into vegetarianism, which um, I was still kind of eating eggs for a while, and then I thought, you know, it doesn't make sense for me to be eating eggs if I'm saying I, I, I don't want to deal with high cholesterol, so let's, let's 86 the eggs, let's get rid of them. So I ditched the eggs, and then from there on, I just went completely vegan. And, I wow. mean, this all happened in less than a year. Less wow, than a so year. Um, I want to say we started the detox in December of 2010. I think it was like maybe the last day of December because of how the week was falling. It seems like it was a, a last day in December starting like on a Monday. And then um, from there we jumped into January. So it was kind of like an end, beginning of the year type of thing. And it wasn't one of those New Year's resolutions because I don't really do those. It was more like an experience. And for me, it just awakened me, my taste buds, my mentality and how I approach food to something new, something that I had never experienced. And I liked the way my body felt. So with that, I just decided it would be my lifestyle. And I didn't push it on my family or anything. I just knew it was what was best for me at that time. Let's go back to your daughter, because how old was your daughter when she first came to you and said, "Um, let's try some vegetarian meals together? Like, I think that is so cool when kids do that. So how old was she? she, Do you remember? Um, I want to say she might have been like eight or nine, which is why I thought, oh, "Oh, wow, that's a really young age to make such a big decision. You know what I mean? 
But yes. we kind of empower our children to think for themselves. Like, we don't want to just be building little robots, you know what I mean? So mm-hmm. my daughter felt empowered to make that kind of decision, even though I felt like, as a mother, I needed to add the balance to it. And my husband yes. was like, oh, yeah, yeah, we definitely don't need to jump right into that. So we both kind of had the same kind of thinking. And neither one of us coming from a vegetarian background, we just thought, oh, no, we don't want to just take her off meat for a long time period of time because we don't want her to be missing anything. And what we didn't realize, you know, out of ignorance, we didn't know she could still get everything she needed. I mean, you know, we can get into the whole where do you get your protein <laughs> type of question, but it's so old and and played that we don't even have to go there. But um, that was kind of the concern, like how is she going to get some of the, the basic nutrients that she needs, you know, outside of us making her take a multivitamin and, you know, all these other things. But um, I think it was pretty cool that she uh, was willing to be that type of independent at her age. Yes, so I admired her. Yeah. So it's been a few. It's been a few years for you as far as being on this vegan journey. Let's talk about this. Do you consider yourself a vegan, or is it more of a plant-based lifestyle? How do you feel about the vegan box? Do you identify as that? Ooh, well, <laughs> <laughs> I, I knew it. You knew this was coming. You knew this was coming. <laughs> well, I kind of, I kind of feel like the term vegan has a negative connotation to it in most people's eyes, like. Before it became more mainstream like it is today, most of the time when you thought of vegan, you thought of PETA. And I think PETA is a great organization, so I'm not putting down on PETA, but, you know, we all know that there are uh, now stereotypes attached to PETA's name where you have people throwing things at people who are wearing furs and things like that. And I'm not saying those things have actually happened, but that's just the kind of that's the kind of noise that I would hear about people making, about uh, people wearing animal products of any sort. So uh, my ideas about uh, veganism uh, before I ever even considered this lifestyle kind of stem from knowing about that side of it. And I don't even think that was a big part of it. I just think that with a mainstream mentality about food, anything that's different and has something negative attached to it, you're going to kind of focus more on that negative thing that's attached to it. And I think that's still there now. I don't think it's as bad because more and more people have become open to this lifestyle. But for me, I'm finding myself not really wanting to be categorized. Like, obviously, we need categories to identify and to compartmentalize and to bring order and organization to certain things. So I don't knock it. But at the same time, I'm kind of feeling a little weird nowadays uh, saying I'm a vegan. You know, like I, I, mm-hmm. I totally identify with being vegan. I'm not vegan for ethical reasons, but I can say there has been some spillover because uh, my approach to veganism has always been about my health. But what happens is with anything, if there, are, if it's multifaceted, like I consider it a movement almost because of the way that it's picking up has picked up over these last few years. But with the movement, you know, if you come in for one reason, you're going to kind of get some spillover from the other parts of it that, you know, or the other approaches that people are, are taking in, in coming to that particular exactly. lifestyle for themselves. Exactly. So I, I have more of a consciousness about the ethical side of it, but um, I'm still more focused on the health side of it. But uh, I don't necessarily feel like I have to self-identify as a vegan. Um, I do like the term plant-based. It just seems softer. It seems more acceptable and less um, threatening to people when you say, oh, yeah, I'm flourishing on my plant-based diet, you know, or whatever. So um, 
I don't know. I feel kind of um I don't feel like people shouldn't say they're vegan. I just yeah. I just feel that once you reach a level of maturity, it's like being a person, you know, you're a baby, then you're a toddler, and eventually you you can shake those terms. You don't necessarily need to say, well, I'm this kind of human. <laughs> you know mm-hmm. what I mean? You just live yeah. your life and you just be who you are and what you are. And I found that just being who I am and what I am, which is vegan or plant-based or whatever you want to call it, but my family has jumped on the bandwagon from me not shaking and pointing my fingers at them mm-hmm. and in their faces saying, you need to do this and you need to do that. They paid more attention to my habits and my lifestyle changes. So I feel like I don't need a term to describe who I am. I just need to live this life. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I think I when do. you take away, yeah, when you take away the terminology, uh, the meaning is in your everyday life. And that's with anything, that's with religion, that's with any type of philosophical beliefs or whatever, you know, um, you just live your life. You be the example and people will follow. Exactly. I think that's the best way to do it. It's kind of like this passive way of doing it. You know, it's very compassionate, it's very helpful. I love that way. That's how I feel about it for my life as well. So your own family, I know that you're married and you have five babies because they're not all babies, but I'm going to call them babies. (laughs) You have five kids. When you say this. Yeah, because they're babies. They're always going to be babies. But right. <laughs> so, so for you, like, okay, I know that you said that your family. When you said family, were you referring to your husband and kids, or your extended family is more accepting because of how your approach is? I don't really live around like my family that I grew up with because I live in a different state. But um, my husband and my children, they eat more vegetables than they've ever eaten, like mm-hmm. ever, <laughs> this entire time. I'm, I'm almost uh, 14 years married. And um, what I've seen is that um, our diet has changed, um, and it, it has constantly progressed over these years, but um, it has been a great pro- progression in the sense that it seems like we've eliminated things here and there instead of taking a drastic turn um, and just doing something so crazy that everybody just falls off the bandwagon. It's been like a thing that's happened over time. So with the vegan thing, that's probably been like the most drastic part of um, us making the changes in our diet. But with me trying all these different things and like eating things that I never really ate before, like Brussels sprouts (laughs) and avocados, Mm -hmm. I eat avocado Mm -hmm. a day almost now. So um, I didn't eat those things before, but my kids love Brussels sprouts. Not all of them, but like, um, you know, like sometimes I'll have, some of my kids will like something and then the other ones won't. And then those, they might like something else and the other ones won't. Or, you know, or there might be something that I never thought none of them would like and they all like it, like kale. I mean, we eat greens regularly in my house. If it's not kale, it's collards. We love collards. And I don't kill collards the way I'm a southern girl. I'm originally from Mississippi. Where I'm from, people boil uh, collards in water all day, all night, and kill them until there's nothing left. <laughs> <laughs> but the fiber, and you eat the fiber with all this pork and whatever, and I don't mean to make where I'm from sound bad, but, you know, like, that's a traditional soul food method for cooking greens. But I don't look at soul food the same as I used to. And I think there's a popular quote of Erica Badu kind of defining what veganism is and attaching it to soul food. I agree. I don't remember what the exact quote is, but Google it. It's out there. But I don't cook them that way. I saute them. Like I use, um, I don't cook with a lot of oil, but I do use a little bit of oil when I um, when I cook greens. And I usually use um, garlic because I use garlic in just about everything. Uh, garlic is my life. Um, 
I think that's why I'm well today because of garlic. No, yes. but um, but I cook them differently. So like, I can't wait to have the opportunity to actually go to Mississippi and cook the collars the way that I cook them and have have my family that I grew up with to um, try them my way. Because I don't, like I said, I don't kill them, you know, and I say that jokingly, but literally you are cooking a lot of the nutritional value out of the greens when you boil them for so many hours and basically they're just wilted greens. By the time you eat them, they still taste good, but you might not be necessarily getting the nutritional benefit. But, no, I never impressed my lifestyle on my family. Um, Once I decided to go vegan, though, um, I did. Uh, allow my daughter to go vegetarian, become a vegetarian. And so now she's been on the journey with me. Um, she still eats cheese and things like that. I don't beat her over the head or, you know, anything like that about her still choosing to eat cheese. I do take her off cheese. Uh, I take all of my family off cheese at certain times just because of the um, the way it can increase the production of mucus in your body. So, like, if I notice somebody sneezing or coughing or anything like that, oh, no, we got to dish, dish the cheese. The cheese is gone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that yeah. I'll usually give them something natural to kind of abuse their immune system, and I'll get them back on track. And then um, I just kind of don't let them overdo uh, any dairy products. And my husband, he doesn't really um, eat a lot of cheese either. So, like, a lot of times when the kids might add cheese to something, he won't add cheese either because he's like, oh, no, I'm kind of over cheese, you know. Are you making are you making multiple meals for your family right now? Because I know you say your daughter is still on cheese and your husband isn't a vegan. Are you at yeah. that point where you're making one meal or are you making multiple meals for everybody? Well, usually, uh, well, I'll say this. Starting out, I kind of, um, I made complimentary meals. And by that, I just mean I would cook, like, sides that would go with everything everybody's eating, and then the people who eat meat would have some meat. Mm -hmm. And eventually what happened was that just kind of um, gravitated towards a meatless mentality. My husband eventually... You know, eventually he came to a point where, like, if we're having lentils, there's no need to have meat with lentils. Lentils are so filling, you know. So um, we would be eating lentils or something. And at first, you know, when he first tried them, he thought, oh, this will probably taste good with some ground, not beef, because we haven't eaten beef as a family this entire time. But um, we would eat a lot of ground turkey in the past, um, and we don't even really buy that at this point. But he thought, oh, this will taste good with some ground uh, turkey added to it. And I let him try it that way. I, I thought, okay, well, he wants to try it with some ground turkey. I'll do that. So I tried it. He uh, he tried it, not me, <laughs> with the ground <laughs> turkey. And I think that he might not have said this, but I think he probably found it was probably too much. Like it was probably overwhelmingly filling because lentils are just, you know, you, you're going to get full off of just a bowl of lentils. That's the way I am yeah. anyway. But um Eventually, he he said he didn't want to add meat to the lentils. And then eventually he started requesting meals throughout the week where he didn't want any meat. It wouldn't just be Meatless Monday either. It would be random days, you know, and he would say, well, when you plan the meal, the menu for this week, I want you to try to focus on maybe not doing so many days with us having meat. Oh, that's wow. great. You know, and, yes. and I would have to contain my excitement <laughs> so that I wouldn't well, turn him off. <laughs> No meat, got it. (laughs) Being that I don't eat meat anymore, I really also don't like to handle it. (laughs) I don't really like to handle eggs. That was my next question. That was my next question because my issue is uh, when I became a vegan, I was a vegetarian. When I was a vegetarian for two years, I would make separate meals. But when I became a vegan, I said, "Uh, no, because I'm not handling eggs. I'm not handling meat. I'm not doing all of that. 
So I'm making one meal, right. and then we'll just have to figure it out from there. So how do you deal with that, handling eggs and meat? Yeah, I think one thing that actually helped was um, <laughs> one night uh, we had, uh, we don't really like fry foods a lot, but when we do, like we had some fried chicken wings or something like that. And um, what I was told by my dear husband was <laughs> that I cooked like someone, I cooked the meat like someone who doesn't eat meat. And basically that was his way of saying, <laughs> that was his way of saying that the meat was bland. And I, I thought, oh, well, that's, that's a great way out for me because, hey, if you think I'm cooking it like it doesn't taste like I eat meat, <laughs> and and mm-hmm. you think it should be cooked a different way, then you can just cook it. <laughs> yeah. So that's not to say that I don't ever cook meat for them, but um, for the most part, um, he will cook the meat when there is meat. Um, now, gotcha. he will go numerous days without even eating any meat. So, like, meat is not even a big deal in my house anymore. Um, my mm-hmm. kids, I think kids just kind of think when they don't have an option that they previously had, they kind of feel like um, I lost a privilege. So, like, two of my kids, um, my um, second two oldest, I like to say, because I kind of have my kids compartmentalizing the older kids and the babies are the two younger girls. But my son and my middle daughter uh, in the oldest three set, they actually kind of feel like um, they're deprived of meat sometimes. (laughs) So, like, when we have meat, it's a big deal, and it's not it's not even in a negative way. They they are very joking about it. Like um, they joke a lot about how, oh yeah, when mommy's not around, I'm gonna do this, that, and the other. You know, like they went to live, uh, not live, but they went to visit my mom over the summer, and um, they ate meat. <laughs> just there was no no end to the meat they had. Like I heard they had a barbecue, and my daughter um, she ate like maybe five or six pieces of barbecue chicken until she just wore herself out. And I told her, you know, your body is not used to that, so you're going to have a reaction from that. Just get ready for it. Yeah. Because, see, that's the kind of concern that I have as well for my children. Like, because we don't, because we don't consume meat at home, I'm concerned that when they go out that they're going to go crazy like that. But um, I think that the reason, one of the things that kind of balances it up, you know, a bit is that my parents live nearby, so they go over there. So they have meat at my parents' house. And they have, um, you know, they have meat. My oldest two kids, when they go to their dad's house, they have meat over theirs. And then, you know, they have meat when we go out to eat and things like that. So I think they probably feel like they're getting enough of it. But I remember when I first started, I was so, so concerned. And I didn't want my kids to have meat anywhere at first. And it was draining to me. But now with this compromise, I notice that they don't hound me about the meat as much anymore because I'm like, when we go out, they can eat it. I don't want them to have yeah. food hangups, and I know that that's not very – my position isn't the most popular, but I don't want my kids to have food hangups. Like, I don't want them to, you know, go somewhere and eat a ball of ribs because <laughs> cause I said they can't eat ribs ever, you know? So I just yeah. – I don't know. And I think too, that, like you I said – mm-hmm. I should add the balance, though, because here's the thing. So my kids wouldn't do that at my house, and it's not mm-hmm. because I'm, like, super strict or anything – um, which I do monitor how they eat, like, heavily, and I teach them to pay attention to how foods make their body feel. So a lot of times I don't have to tell them to stop eating. They stop on their own. They'll say, like, okay, I know I've had too much, or no, I don't want to have seconds, you know, because, like, a lot of times we don't have seconds. Um, but sometimes if it's something that we don't have often, you know, then they might say, oh, can I get seconds, and I'll let them have seconds. But a lot of times they say, oh, I don't want any seconds because I just don't want to be too too full. 
So they understand the difference in being satisfied and just being a, a, a glutton. <laughs> you know, so um, what happened when they went to my mother's house was they had the grandmama mentality. And that basically is, oh, we're with the grandparents. We can do whatever we want. If we want to be out of control, we can be out of control. So I think they had an experience this summer with just kind of um, being outside of their natural habitat, per se, and um, being in an environment where they knew that there would be more lenience. You know, like my mom Mm -hmm. is not going to tell you you can't come back for seconds or whatever because grandparents is kind of, I don't know, I can't speak for everybody, but my particular situation is such that um, my kids, can kind of get away with a little bit more when they're with grandparents. And that's on their maternal or paternal side. I knew that going into it, so I already kind of knew to expect some things to get out of control. I knew that when they when they came home, I would have to have a plan in place where I got them back on track. So I think she just got off track because she knew she could get away with that there. Yes, of course. And, um, of course. <laughs> that's not that she would normally have done because usually – this particular child is the one who will come to me and say, well, Mommy, I don't really like feeling too full, so I don't think I'm going to eat any more of this or that. Or or here's another thing, like I don't know if, if this is something that people run into besides my family, but when we go to eat at restaurants, we don't necessarily feel good when we come home. Like um, a place that we would eat at a lot would be Red Robin because we felt like that's a place where I can still eat my vegetarian daughter could still eat, and everybody else can eat what they eat. So we would go to Red Robins for, uh, like, a family meal every once in a while. And, you know, because they have the um, unlimited fries, like they just keep bringing you out fries, you just get full off the potatoes. And what you don't realize is the, hyd- the hydrogenated oil that they fry the potatoes in is going to make you feel horrible when you get home later that night. And so um, eventually my kids started to feel the effect of that. So over time, we've also stopped eating out uh, as much as we used to um, because we realize that it makes us feel different, and we don't necessarily like how it makes us feel. We like how it tastes at the time when we're experiencing it, but we don't like the aftermath. So that kind of is something that keeps us balanced with not going out and being wasteful financially as well as um, being wasteful with our bodies and our health as far as going out and just eating all these things we know we don't need to eat. So um, I feel really good about the influence that my lifestyle has had on my family in general because I can see that they haven't just had changes in habits, but their mind has changed and they pay attention to what food does to their body. So that's like my big thing. Yeah, that's very, very important. And I know for you, because I know when you post on Instagram, you seem like, just like me, you're a big fan of field roast sausage. Um, Does that really, has that helped your family as far as transitioning? Do you think that you would have been able to get to this point in your journey with your family without having some of those meat alternatives? Or how do you feel about that? Because I know you're a fan of them just like me. (laughs) Yeah, well, here's the thing. Like, I'm kind of a, um, I don't know, I'm kind of up and down with that because, what I do is um, I find products that I don't think are heavily laced with soy. I'm not a huge fan of soy, but I realize, like, it's in almost everything now, and um, it's kind of hard to get away from. So when I found field roast, um, I compared it to what I felt when I ate soy sausages. And so what I would feel if I ate an Italian soy-based sausage was I would feel too full. 
it would just be, uh, it seemed like it would take a long time to digest in my body. And it's probably just an individual chemistry. I don't know that it's something that would impact someone else that way, but that's the way it was impacting my body. So when I tried the field roast sausage, which you and I both know is a grain meat and it's not soy-based, I liked the way I felt after I ate it. But here's the kicker. Beyond that, (laughs) my husband eventually tried the field roast sausage. And let me just tell you that my husband does not eat any kind of meat sausage any longer because field roast has taken, like, the front seat to all meat sausages in his life. Like, he has totally (laughs) eaten turkey, bacon, turkey, uh, sausage of any sort, like, because we don't eat beef or pork, so, um, or they don't, I should say. But um, he totally is on the field roast bandwagon. That is awesome. Because mm-hmm. my mentality was if I'm actually doing this to not eat meat, then I don't want to mimic eating meat all the time. Gotcha. You know, and that was just what worked for me. But let's yeah. talk about that for a second because for – see, I think that goes back to why someone became a vegan. See, for me, I became a vegan not because I don't like meat and for not necessarily for health reasons. It's for, like, ethical reasons. So I like that having the options of feeling like I'm eating meat and I'm not, and no animals died to to get me to eat this meat. You see what I'm saying? So I think that's why I think there's such a debate about the mock meat because it just depends on why. I mean, if you're doing it for health reasons, it doesn't seem like it makes much sense. It's like, why am I trying to mimic, like you said, meat and I don't eat it but for me it's like this is so cool that I have something that's similar to meat it tastes like meat the texture is good and no animals died so but you know like for my daughter and it it got to a point with the field roast sausage that um, my daughter felt like my husband was eating all the sausages up from her (laughs) and that's literally what started to happen <laughs> like, uh, can you just eat your meat, okay? Because, like, I'm not getting My daughter was like, you eating all my sausages, and you coming all over here with that. You supposed to be eating the meat, you know. But, um. <laughs> but, um. I do eat yours, though. Do you? Because, see, for me, what I do a lot of times is what I do is um, I'll buy the link of four, and then I'll use, like, two sausages for, like, one meal. Like, if I'm yeah, making a stir fry, it's, like, really heavy vegetables, but I put that meat in there to give them some bite because they like. You know, because, I mean, I'm in a house yeah. with all men and all boys. They want that bite. <laughs> so I yeah. give them two links, and then I'll take the other two links, and I'll maybe use it in, like, a lasagna or something else. Um, so do you stretch yours out? Because you're a bigger family than me. We're a family of five, and you you guys are a family of seven. What I find is that you know, a little goes a long way to me. It does. Like, I can literally probably just cut a sausage in half. If it wasn't um, packaged the way it is, I would probably often cut them in half for myself because I don't always care to even have a whole link. Um, but my husband, on the other hand, he could eat a whole link and it's not even a big deal to him and my daughter too. But, um, for me, I can just have a little bit. And if I'm using it, like sometimes, um, and I know they make different products now, but like, um, before a lot of their newer products came out, I would just take the sausages and um, crumble it in, um, like I make a lentil chili. So I would take the sausages and, and like, I would take maybe a, a link or two, depending on how big a pot of chili I'm making, and I would just crumble them into the um, the chili. Uh, it makes a really good texture, and it gives it a really good taste, and uh, that's what my husband really likes. Like, probably one of his favorite meals that I cook that's meatless, that's completely animal-free, no byproducts or anything, would probably be my lentil chili. And um, I think the main reason why he likes it is because not only is he a lentils fan, but he's also a fan of field roast um, sausages. So, uh, you know, I feel like I'm just saying field roast so much that I should be getting a check. But 
<laughs> I feel the same way. I'm like, I need to do something with Phil Ross. I need to do something with Beyond Me because I just need you as right. <laughs> The reason why is because it's a really good product. Really think that there isn't a whole lot of mock meat that is good. Find one that's good. I'm like, oh, I got to tell everybody about this because I really don't want people to have any type of excuse of why they can't at least get started. And I don't think it has to be like perfection. And you basically touched on this earlier when you were talking about how, you know, your family eats a lot more vegetables and do so much better than you did. And it's been like a gradual progression. And I feel like that's how it is for most families. So get started with some of these brands that'll really help felt compelled to like try some of the mock meats was because my daughter I didn't want her to get bored and um, you know there are so many things I've learned that you can do with vegetables so I'm not saying that vegetables are limited you can't do this or that I mean obviously there's a whole network of people on YouTube Twitter uh, every social media that you can think about who are promoting all the different ways you can use vegetables in creative ways. And that's actually what I love most about this lifestyle. For children, I think you have to keep it interesting for them. And uh, mm-hmm. it's important for them to feel like they don't have so many restrictions. Like I was saying with my daughter going to Mississippi for the summer and knowing that she wouldn't have the restrictions she had, she kind of let herself get out of hand. And that's just how it is with kids. You don't want them to, to become you know, rebellious when they're not in your presence because they feel like they can't have certain things when they are in your presence, you know? So you have to make it, you have to keep it interesting. I agree. What tips do you have for for new families that are getting started? I I feel like we kind of touched on a lot of that already, but did you have any other tips that you want to to give to new families that are getting started on a vegan journey? Um, I would say um, definitely take your time, and um, I would say examine your motives for why you want to pursue this lifestyle. Like, Mm -hmm. I feel like a lot of times people jump on a bandwagon and they don't actually know what all it entails. If you feel pressure because it's becoming more mainstream, that's not the right reason to do it. You know, like, if, if you're if you're inquisitive um, and you just kind of want to experiment with it, I think you should. Um, I think that it's important for people to kind of um, test something out before they actually get into it because you need to know whether or not it's for you. But like I was saying, the most important factor, I think, in being successful at anything is to first remember why you did what you did or why you're doing what you're doing. So your motive is everything. If you're just doing it because it's popular and somebody famous is doing it or everybody is doing it, you see the numbers jumping with the vegan community or whatever, that's not the right reason to do it because that might not be something that works for you. Um, I think it's important to have a good reason to go into it. Like uh, for ethical reasons, if you're passionate about animals or you're passionate about or about health, you know, if you're approaching it from that lifestyle. And then some people are even doing it from um, an environmental approach. So um, I just think you need to do your research and find your passion for why you would pursue this lifestyle. Before we wrap up, let's talk about your um, blog. Oh, yeah. Okay, so my blog is at nourishcourage.com, and um, (laughs) sadly, uh, well, I mean, it's for good reasons. I'm in school right now, and I'm actually finishing up my undergraduate degree, and I'm really excited about that because it's been a long time coming. (laughs) So my blog has kind of been neglected. Uh, It's been a while since I've actually made a post, but what I will do is um, I will go in and try to kind of update it uh, in between some of my schoolwork just to kind of have something um, relative (laughs) for people to be able to go on there and enjoy. So I'll be posting a recipe, 
probably be something like my maybe my lentil chili. I'll probably do something like that, and um, that way you guys kind of see uh, what I have to offer as far as food goes. Um, basically, Nourish Courage is my my business. It's a business where I focus on wellness promotion. I do small event uh, or plant-based catering. Um, I do meal planning services, cooking classes. I also help people with vegan or vegetarian transition coaching. Those kinds of things are what I'm focused on right now. But Nourish Courage is a business concept that I want to see grow. It's kind of my baby, and it's my way of contributing to the lives of other people because of my passion for food. Yeah, I'll make sure that I include all of Deshonda's information on the show notes at brownvegan.com so you can check all of her stuff out. Definitely check her out. Thank you so, so much for being on here. I think this is going to help a lot of people, especially this debate about mock meat, because I think that, you know, there's so much debate about why people do eat mock meat and how it doesn't make sense and all of those things. So I think this is going to really help. Okay, it. And I will be talking, thank of you. course, I'll be talking to you soon, okay? Oh, no problem. I look forward to it. Don't forget to visit brownveganpodcast.com to get to Shonda's chili recipe. And also, I'm going to list all of her links to social media, her site, everything on the Brown Vegan Podcast link. So be sure to check that out. And I'll talk to you guys next week. Thanks so much for listening. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.